Well, hello, Saints. Welcome to our newest broadcast called Seasons. My name is Monica Terrell, and I am here with Apostle Ron Crawford and our resident seer here in the house, Stacy McGill. And we are really, really excited for this hour and to be able to discuss some very significant and, and relevant things from Scripture today um, about the anointing, about the oil, to continue on in our study from our, uh, the first episode that we did of Seasons. And so we're so happy to be here with you. We're so happy um, to have you join with us. And we just, we've prayed over this, this hour and asked for the anointing to flow. And so we're asking that that same anointing would flow into you and that you would be able to receive and understand and um, really um, that this, this whole discussion would be fruitful and, and pleasing to the Lord. So as of last, the, our first episode, we had not yet determined what this broadcast was going to be called because this really is going to be um, a broadcast or a venue that's going to be led by the prophetic, led by the um, visionary capacities, and through and then from that launching forth apostolically into the word and and having conversation having discussion about things that the Lord is highlighting and really wanting us as the body of saints to apply into this current day that we're living in and so that really is the the backdrop for why we are launching this broadcast and so if you'll remember our first episode which was aired last week or maybe the week before we talked about many things in conjunction with the anointing and with the oil, but one of the things that, that we really focused on was the oil of gladness. And so we're going to begin this broadcast just revisiting that understanding and, and really asking the Lord to pour that oil of gladness out upon us because it was from that discussion that the title or the name of this broadcast came, Seasons. And so let me just preface or begin by saying that for us as a people, we we are in a transitional time. And if you look at what's happening in the world, at at how the Lord and His glory is manifesting, but also the darkness that is prevailing, we recognize that there is an increased responsibility upon God's people, upon us as His saints, to to really... um, take our place and function in establishing heaven on earth and establishing his kingdom here upon the earth and so um you know if we're really we're going to be held responsible for for what he gives us to do and so we're really probing the prophetic gifts of not only the seer but the prophet in in extraordinary ways as he's calling us to do that and so um, we named this program Seers really after the discussion from a scripture out of Psalm 45 and then an overlapping scripture out of the, out of the, the, the New Testament out of Hebrews 1.9. And so I'm going to begin by reading um, that passage and we're going to talk about what that means for just a few minutes. So Psalm 45.7 says, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. 
And then in Hebrews 1, 9, it says, thou, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So same passage. Um, the only word that's different is the word for wickedness and the word for iniquity. But what we really want to focus in on as we begin this is this oil of gladness. And gladness is is wonderful. It is joy. It is elation in, in just being in the purpose of the Lord, being in the presence of the Lord. But the root word for that is the word sasson, which is where we get our word season. And it, 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 what it means for us is, is the capacity, you know, when we have the joy of the Lord, we have the joy of the Lord when we are fulfilling our Father's purpose. And this word for gladness, this sasson, literally means to glean the time and being cognizant or being aware, being awakened to circumstances and, and really progressions in, within our walk. And it means to be watchful of what God has promised and what he intends to accomplish in and through his people. And so think about how important that is for us in this day, that we not only love righteousness, which is vision, and we hate wickedness, which is the manif this particular word, ra'ash, I believe, is the manifestation of ra, or evil. And because of that, because we stand for righteousness, for, we stand for the righteous vision that God is initiating, he will anoint us with this oil of gladness, with this sasson, which enables us and empowers us to glean the times and really being very cognizant and aware of not only what he's doing, of the circumstances that we're faced with, but being very watchful and, and, and in partnership with what he has promised and what we know he intends to accomplish. I want that oil of gladness to be poured all over me, don't you? Yes. <laughs> and so we, we want to just really begin this broadcast in, in acknowledgement of our responsibility as God's people, as, as the saints of the Lord in this hour. It also, this word also means to, to, to be bright, to light up. And so as we are faced with darkness and gross darkness that, that is really prevailing throughout the earth, he is giving this oil of gladness, this oil that not only lights us up, but that gives us that circumspect mind and understanding of what he's doing so that we can apply righteousness in the land. And so this is just so significant for us as a people um, that we receive this oil of gladness. And it was prophetically spoken by our our, our seer prophet, Stacy McGill, that's sitting to my left, that in this transitional moment, which it seems like we're always in transitional moments, but this one is just really significant, that we receive this oil of gladness from the Lord so that we can walk in the season that we're in with our eyes open, that we would be circumspect to see what the Lord is doing and be able to walk with him and apply the revelations and um, his intents and see them fulfilled. And so that's really where we begin. And so I really would just like to speak that prophetically into 
all of the saints, that we would have that oil of gladness, that it would pour into us, and that we would step into this season with just um, a clarity for the times and the seasons and for what God is doing upon the earth and that we would be vessels of righteousness, that we would love agape righteousness, that we would breathe hard after his purpose in his righteousness and that our eyes would be open to see his beauty, to see his goodness, to see his righteousness and that, that as we transition, we would have that clarity. And that truth, you know, as we, as we, as, 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 as those that walk in truth. And so that really is, is what's launching this, this second broadcast, speaking of the oil and the anointing oil. And we just speak that into God's people. We speak that into you as you're listening even now, mm-hmm. that that oil of gladness would flow over you and would anoint you in this, in this powerful way. Amen? Amen. 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 You know, that, that's such an interesting um, thing about the oil of joy and transition. Um, because, again, you know, our word season comes from that. And you, you recognize that in God, we're, we're moving in His seasons, just like we move in seasons in our life, and in, in the natural realm, and in the way that we continue to, to grow. Uh, it's from season to season. And, and as you were talking about this, um, I was, the Spirit just began to speak to my heart about the, the passage in Isaiah, that uh, in Isaiah 61, where it speaks about those who mourn in Zion. This is the passage that Jesus used when he was, uh, when he spoke his first sermon in Nazareth. And he took the scroll and he opened up Isaiah 61. And that was obviously a transitional moment for him because he was leaving his 30 years of existing on earth uh, into the the thing that God was really sending here to do. So where I'm going with this is the oil of joy is for mourning. This oil of saison is for mourning. And um, it doesn't mean... Oh, you know, when you're when you're just so sorrowful, you need to you know, cheer up, cheer up. Here, have an anointing. Get over have it. Have an anointing. Yeah, have some anointing, Stacey. Have some anointing. Would you like some anointing? I would. Yes, right. please. Cheer up. Cheer Make up. Make me happy. But really, you think of, you see what mourning is, and it's 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 a burial of something. It is you saying, this time is now gone. We're moving into a new season, so we're laying that down. So the oil of season, you apply it to wherever it is that God has led you from. And you rejoice in Him, and you accept the new. So the oil of joy for, for mourning is this oil, this anointing of the saison for this saying goodbye to whatever it is that you've been in and entering into the new. So it wasn't just, you know, and and this kind of promotion is promotion. It's not, well, you know, so often people mourn. What do they do when they mourn? Oh, no, what are we going to do now? You know, old Pappy is dead. Who's going to do all the things he did? Oh, 
oh, and people just lament. But the oil of joy is recognizing the season of the Lord and you're taking that anointing to move into the new and you're receiving it at a point where you're saying goodbye to the, to the things that are gone. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. You know, I forget those things that are behind and I press forward into the new to the mark of the, of the prize, of the high calling. And um, so this oil is really you partnering with God to say, all right, it's a new day. And um, I, so I receive the anointing for that. But part of it is it's the oil of joy for mourning, for saying goodbye to this old thing. And I think some people do need an anointing to do that. It's, it's, yes, I'm looking to the new, but I sure was comfortable with that old stuff. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't like it, I'm so used to it, that it's kind of hard to let go of it. So you need the oil to break that yoke, to break the yoking of the past, and to move into the new. So we receive that. That's good. We receive that. That's good. So. And two, um, in the Hebrew passage, in the Greek, Hebrew 1-9, where it's, it's the same passage, but the word for gladness here is a word that literally means to, like, leap for joy. And we've taught on this word before. It's very powerful principle. It's not used very often in Scripture, but it was used when, when um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to go visit um, Elizabeth when she had John the Baptist in her womb. And remember, it says that John... She said that, that her, her womb leapt when she walked into the house or when she walked into the place. And, and there's also uh, references where Jesus, it says, his spirit leapt. And, and, and we've talked about this before, but I think so much of, of this transitional period is about us taking... Did I say something wrong? No, I'm just thinking no, how funny I that say? must have been because Elizabeth was really old. <laughs> And can you imagine she's walking and all of a sudden this baby jumps. She must fly. That's just funny. It is funny. But but a big part of this season, I believe, we have the responsibility to call heaven to earth. And those lines are narrowing. I mean, if you don't sense that, I mean that that they they really are narrowing and and, and so we, when we taught about this before, we likened it to when you're when you when you're moving in that joy, when you're moving in that gladness, you really um, submit your spirit to that principle of of leaping towards heaven. When you leap, you come down, and it literally is like reaching towards heaven and pulling heaven down. And I think that that's such a powerful principle for us. We need to recognize who we are in the Lord and what he's created us to be and to do and how to function and that is just really such a powerful understanding of of our spirit man allowing that joy to to really inhabit us and and activate that 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 movement where we leap in joy and and pull heaven to earth and so this we're not playing church this is not any, I mean, this is real time. 
Word of God is alive and we he is opening the mysteries and revealing his revelations and his intentions and he is calling us up to partner with him in these extraordinary ways and and so know who you are as a spirit man and know what God's called you to do and submit your whole being to the process and to the activation of what he's having us to do here upon the earth so it's really so exciting it's so exciting because I know mourning is a part of life but I think about this last year of you know how powerful was the year of grace that we lived and and we came through that year of grace it was so momentous and we kept talking about transition and look where God has brought us talk about promotion I mean, this has been one of the most significant, probably one of the the two most significant seasons of promotion that we've known as a people. We've known a lot of transitions and a lot of promotions, but very, very significant. So, yes, amen. Uh, did you want to do Revelations 3, or I don't know where to go next? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, you want me um, to go to Zechariah? A big part of really a big part of I think why God has launched this particular venue of discussion is because he's calling out the giftings that he's put within his people um, the visionary giftings and the prophetic giftings were were really probing into the fivefold right now and 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 he's really um, calling us higher and in so many ways and so for us to move in our particular giftings we have to really, um, we need the anointing of the Lord. And I believe he's pouring out a fresh anointing for all of that. And so we were talking earlier before the broadcast, pre-broadcast, about how he, he, he's really wanting us to see him in a deeper dimension, in a clear dimension. Because when you see the Lord, everything becomes clear. You know, Jesus did what he saw his Father in heaven doing. And so that's part, I think, of this anointing is to touch your eyes. You know, for that eye salve to, to come upon your eyes for us to be able to see with clarity. And, 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 and two, I think it so much counters the voice of the enemy and the blinding of the eyes the enemy is really trying to bring upon this earth. And so we are stepping into a deeper walk and vision and a deeper prophetic walk and so I'm going to read Revelation 318 and we're just going to receive we're just going to receive this it says and this was the church of Laodicea and it says I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich with white raiment and thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that they, thou mayest see. And so we're believing for our eyes to be anointed with the eye salve. And, and I remember, I think it might have been the first time we went into France. France is really known as a, a, a nation that has those seer giftings. And that was like one of the first prophetic acts that we did when we went into the Church of France is we got that flag out and we anointed that nation and the, the, the saints of that nation with that. Do you remember that? Yeah. And it was so powerful and really just um, just anointed them in their gifting to see. And so I just really firmly believe that this is anointing that God has given us in this hour and it's so necessary. Mm -hmm. um, so. Amen. 
Does that help? Yes, that, that does help me uh, segue into talking about the scripture from Zechariah where the angel wakes Zechariah up and wants to talk to him, wants to give him some instructions. Uh, and Zechariah was a very, no, like very visual. He had a lot of wonderful scriptures about the way the Lord showed him uh, his, his, his ways, um, his mind, and Zechariah understood, you know, God's timing and was able to counsel the kings at the time, uh, you know, what God wanted them to do. And then it was up to the kings to do it or not. Uh, one of the kings Zechariah counseled was Uzziah, and the sad part of his story is he was prideful. He decided he wanted to go into the altar of incense, and he wanted to have um, light the incense, but the priests were trying to stop him. And when he wouldn't stop, God gave him leprosy. And so that was one example of a godly king who was a wonderful leader and uh, had listened to Zechariah over the years, but this particular time he didn't, and it pretty much just um, changed his whole course of action. So we need to remember, uh, you know, to be very humble and remember the alignment of the Lord and, and, and not, you know, be prideful and think that you can go into a place that you are not, you're not anointed to go into. Uh, another king, well, almost a king, kind of a king, Zerubbabel, he was also stirred up to be awake. And that word for wake is UWR, and it means to open your eyes. And he was the governor of Judah. Um, he got to be over the second restoration of the second temple. And I just thought that that was really significant the two different kings, you know, one being really humble and one, even though he was actually born in captivity, captivity, uh, Babylon came in and took over and his grandfather had to be a captive. And so Zerubbabel was actually born in captivity, but they were such a humble, you know, family, I guess they found favor in the eyes of the Babylon king. And then when Persia came in, took over King Cyrus still found favor of this family and still appointed Zerubbabel over Judah and then was able to actually rebuild this temple which I just think that's kind of a miracle in of itself. Um, they were of a, a lineage I believe from David uh, I can't sorry uh, anyway so let me read a little bit about or give an overview of Zechariah <clears throat> so the angel comes and talks to him and, and he said the angel woke him and he asks him what did you see and he said that he saw the candlestick with two olive trees and the candlestick had seven lamps and he asks what they are and the angel is saying that the word of the lord that went to zerubbabel that he, but he's talking to zechariah so he's telling zechariah exactly what he told zerubbabel not by might not by power not by spirit um oh gosh i was in i forgot the rest of it um Sorry, I'm looking for that scripture real quick. Not by might, not, not by, by power, power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Yeah, that's, yeah. I guess that's all it is. Yeah. So, so might and power mean not by force, wealth, ability, substance, but by his spirit, which is the Ruach, which is the wind. And he said, who art thou a great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shall become a plain, and plain is Mysore, 
which is a level, a straightness, justice, equity, uprightness, he shall bring forth the headstone, and headstone is Roshah, the head, and it comes from Rosh, to shake the head, the chief, the forefront, <clears throat> and also comes from a word Eben, to build like a stone masonry stone. And then he says, crying grace, grace unto it. So there's a double issuance of grace. So basically this mountain isn't going to be able to be in opposition because the spirit of the Lord is going to fulfill his will, which is rebuilding this, this temple. And the angel continues to says that hands of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation of the house <clears throat> and his hands will also finish it. And he said, you know, who should we know some of these scriptures? So it's so funny to review these, but it's just me seeing them in a, different, a little bit different way. Um, who shall despise the day of small things? So I guess they're just explaining how, you know, it, it might not have gone as quickly as they wanted. They had some opposition. They had this mountain in the way. They have these um, other political, you know, setbacks. So he's still saying, <clears throat> don't despise the beginning, you know, even even those humble beginnings are going to be fulfilled. And he's, he's proclaiming they're going to rejoice and see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. So he was the, the governor of the land, and, and the angel is saying, you're going to see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. And the plummet means a tool to measure uprightness, to compare the structure to this tool to ensure that it's straight, not bent. It was a way for the masons to keep you know, they're, they're line upon line to keep their, their buildings uh, at the right angles. And I really feel like this is also symbolic of what, you know, the Lord is going to be doing with us as we're building whatever the today's version of that restor restoration of the temple of heaven coming to earth, the things that we're called to do, we have to be constantly applying that plummet to our life and make sure that we're staying straight, we're staying on course, we're doing exactly, you know, what the Lord has ordered us to do. We're going to be responsible for that. And it also mentions, uh, verse 10, those seven eyes of the Lord which run to and, th to and fro through all the earth. That's the, the candlestick, the seven lamps of the candlestick. That's the, the seven spirits of the Lord. And he's partnering with that. Zerubbabel and the, and the spirit of the Lord are in partnership and this uh, two olive trees one on the right one on the left they're the anointed ones they're the saints and they're standing by the Lord and we talked last time that we got to visit in our session of seasons about the pressing and we have to be able to come before the Lord and offer ourselves to be pressed and he, he provides that anointing he provides that oil he set us apart as holy as his, as saints and sons, but then we have to commit to that process. And then it pours back into him to be that candlestick that's illuminated, that shines throughout the world, that restores and, you know, all of the wonderful things that he does. Um, so I just thought that uh, it was an interesting understanding of the candlestick being the Lord and um, I'm sorry, I lost it. Um, he's opening our eyes. He's warning us 
to not be prideful, to stay in alignment. Um, even in captivity, Zerubbabel was, was humble and um, kept focused on the kingdom and, and where he needed to, you know, put his energies was to restore that second temple. We need the partnership between our, our giftings. Like if you're a seer and you're counseling your leadership, you just say what God says and, you know, you just, you just submit. Um, you stay in authority structure. The partnership with the eyes of God is so significant for us these days. We, we want to be perfectly aligned with him and um, just be pressed as oil to pour out to Jesus. Man, that's great. I mean, I think uh, whether it's the example of uh, Isaiah and Uzziah or whether it's um, this here that is uh, speaking about the, imagine this, you have the, you have the incredible responsibility um, for us not just receiving the oil but in this passage in, in Zechariah, the uh, whatever they're doing with the oil is fueling the candlestick. And the two anointed ones are literally sons of the anointing. And that's that that word for son separates people from being just a child or being a part of the family. Uh, to actually being a son that is being willing to be taught, willing to serve, willing to do whatever's necessary to provide for their responsibility. That's what separates sonship from being just children. And um, so when at the, at the end of all of these wonderful things you've just detailed, the angel identifies the ones that the two olive branches that are that are connected with this candlestick uh, as anointed sons or sons of the anointing not children of the anointing not relatives but sons and so having a perspective of the seasons having a perspective of having your eyes anointed having a perspective of um, of all of these things as a service that's not just you know we're serving God which we all should but he considers us sons and to be a son you've got to keep these perspectives um, because if you're not a son you're gonna flee as soon as things get rough you're gonna lose your perspective or you're gonna get cocky like Uzziah was with Isaiah and you're, you're going to do things that are not worthy of the anointing. And it's going to cause harm to you and to the entire process of the, of the divine process. So to be an anointed son is such an essential thing. Can you imagine that? You see these two oil trees, the, these, uh, these oil olive trees, and their branches are on either side of the candlestick and um, you talked about the pressing yeah we in a way when we're pressed 
we're creating oil, but we also have to be willing, if we're anointed, to be pressed. But this is saying how reliant the kingdom of God is and his candlestick upon people who are willing to be sons. It's unequivocally. What are these two olive trees? Don't you know? These are the two anointed sons. So this whole process that we've been discussing is inherent upon us assuming our role in the family of God and being sons. And part of being sons is perspective and um, it's responsibility, so you have to have perspective. Um, it's not about us, it's about Him. It's not about being served, it's about serving. So you have to be willing to accept the oil on that, on that uh, basis. And so that was the issue with Revelation 3. Because the Laodiceans thought, we got it going on. Yeah, we, we don't need anything. We can advise God now. You know, we've got, we're wealthy. We, you know, we've got lots of beautiful garments. And Jesus says, you have need of oil on your eyes. And um, so that you'll recognize that you really need to be naked right now. Um, well, I just, coming back full circle from what you all have said, I, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of the Heavenly Father sent to the earth, became the Christ, the Anointed One, when He accepted as the Father's Son the mission of the Father. And and He was, an, he was subsequently anointed to fulfill all those things. But not only that, going to the cross made the way, opened the access for us to be with our Heavenly Father, to partner in His purpose as sons, joint heirs with Christ, anointed ones with Christ. But just like we talked about in the first session, that that foundational understanding of, of that, that anointing, which is the pressing, which is the extending of the hand to accept the empty hand, the hand that looks so empty and so impossible, you think that's not humbling? Mm. I mean, that we recognize that it looks like nothing. Mm. It looks so impossible. That's pretty much our walk of faith. Yet we extend our hand in faith, take his hand and say, Lord, use us. And in that process, in that partnership, in that relationship, he gives us the anointing to bring forth the miracle mm -hmm. the whole principle is a miracle and and subsequently fills our spirit you know the 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 spirit of the man what is it the lamp of the spirit of man is the candle of the lord that is like one one scripture that i always get missed but i love that scripture the spirit of the man is the candle of the lord i mean that light through that pressing comes through us to subsequently go as as sons of wisdom and bring light into the darkness and so this is just it's just also powerful and so beautiful but it's it comes from something so simple 
and so humble and and the Lord is I mean he is working we talk about pressing and we've talked a lot recently about the pressures and about persecution and affliction because Jesus himself told us we need to expect this you enter the kingdom through persecutions through afflictions you that's that that's just reality for us and so that but that pressing that we experience is allowed by the Lord to 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 work in us a far more exceeding weight of his glory and so it's all just such a a beautiful beautiful way that he works and moves through us and and uses us so yeah, he wants to prepare us to partner with him, and he's just so generous. I, I can't say that enough. I feel like he's uh, above and beyond, um, you know, anointing us and talking to us and showing us things and constantly providing instructions to get closer to him through history. You know, the first tabernacle, Solomon's temple, restructuring the temple, just dreams and visions. I, we could go on and on of his generous, you know, trying to reach out to us and and he's so he just heaven rejoices when we do and that it's just such a beautiful exchange and i i definitely bear witness with what you were saying earlier about how um when we leap you know we're pulling heaven to earth and i, I think that we partner with his holiness and those those deposits he put in us those crypto places you know he just he accesses when we respond and he presses further and then we respond and it, it's incredible it's a wonderful thing uh, one of the scriptures I was just thinking of uh, came to me Job 28 uh, let me see if I can find it he's he's talking about wisdom uh, where uh, 12 28 12 but where shall wisdom be found and where is the place of understanding man knoweth not the price thereof neither is it found in the land of the living and the depth said, it's not in me. The sea said, it's not in me. And he, and he goes on about, you know, gold and crystals and all. You can't buy it. And it's not in the land of the living. We have to go before him. You know, it's not our wisdom. It's his wisdom. And it's beyond precious. And we are so blessed that he would anoint us to, to be set aside, to be holy enough to even be in his presence, to even to even partner in any of the kingdom business. So I'm, I'm just very, very honored and I, I'm so thankful to the Father for, for giving us these opportunities. Yes, that's, that's good. I'm not sure. Well, and specifically, there's so much um, about the, the Lord and the candlesticks. Um, you know, him walking in the midst of the seven branches of the candlestick, um, that um, he is, um, he warns, he warns uh, the churches about him staying in harmony with what God is really requiring, lest he comes and removes the candlestick. And I, I think that the way that he would remove the the reason he would remove the candlestick, obviously, is that you're not supplying the oil for it. Mm -hmm. You know why? If, if you're supplying the oil for the candlestick, why would he remove it? But see, 
that's the issue. This is what's so important for us because those candlesticks represent, or, or the, the branches of the candlestick, represent his ways. And they represent how his ways are shining the light upon the world and all creation. And so he allows us to, to be ministering with him on behalf of that part. Uh, uh, on behalf of that uh, on behalf of that ministry so when Jesus is walking in the midst of the candlesticks who else is there well according to Zechariah we should be because we are we are to be sons of the oil and it's like Samuel who provided the oil for the uh, for the lamps that were burning out in Shiloh, and um, and even what we talked about last week about the, the the foolish virgins who let their oil run out, and so it's so important for us to stay in that point of pressing, and to stay in that point of um, of sonship before God, so that not only are we receiving what we should be, but Whatever role we play, I mean, I mean, it's very clear here in Zechariah. What are these two olive trees on the right side of the candlestick and upon the left? What be these two olive branches, which through the gold, two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he said, don't you know what this is? Why would he ask that? See, anytime an angel asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's not because he's trying to shame you because you didn't do your homework. Stacy, <laughs> did you not do your homework? It's because he's the answer is within you. And this is the two anointed sons. And so if we want to continue to partner in the seasons of the Lord with the light of God's ways... Um, we need to be faithful to remain as those sons of the anointing because if not, we're going to be like the foolish ones who don't have oil. And arguably, what Jesus said about removing the candlestick is that he's going to remove that privilege. And so it's all about sonship. And it's all about the sons of the anointing. It's all about being wise and if we depart from that, it doesn't say you're, you're not going to be born again. So I don't want to be going down that trail. But you're not going to be partnering. You abandon sonship. You abandon a commitment to this oil and what it means. And you're really abandoning the privilege of being able to partner with Jesus in the midst of those candlesticks. Is that... Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And, and just carrying on from what you said, it is all about sonship. It's all about relationship. It's all about our relationship with the Lord. And I, I'm, I'm reminded of this passage foundational from Exodus when he gave Moses, you know, he Moses was before him. He gave Moses the instructions to build the first tabernacle and said bring pure oil 
olive beaten for light to cause the lamp to burn always. And then he also directs that for generations he shall order the lamps upon the pure candlesticks before the Lord to burn continually. And we talked a little bit about this last week in the first session about when we were talking about the wise virgins and running out of oil. We are the temple of the Lord. I mean, this, this Old Testament was a shadow of what we're living today. We are the temple of the Lord. And that we have the responsibility to keep that lamp on the altar of our heart, which represents our relationship with Him, to keep that burning continually. And, and, and yet, how does that happen? It happens through the surrender to be willing to be beaten, <laughs> to be pressed, and to really endure those afflictions and those things that the Lord allows to really perfect and refine us. And so um, it's, it's quite an amazing understanding that it really, everything comes through relationship. And, and he has called us in relationship to be sons. That is our identity. That is who we are. He has adopted us. We are his sons. And subsequently, we are sons in the kingdom of God. And sons in the kingdom of God have a responsibility. But that responsibility is fueled through that intimate relationship that we have with him. And keeping that, that burning, that fire burning in our hearts of passion to pursue him and to, to stay before him and to know him. Yes. So. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that there there is a sense of responsibility um, in this. And I know a lot, of, a lot of Christians don't like somebody saying that you need to take responsibility in order to be able to really partner with God. They just want everything to, to be happening you know, just because they're in the club. But it's not that way. It's true. Yeah. You know? As soon as I'm born again, I've got all kinds of authority. I'm a joint heir. I'm an heir. I'm a son. I'm... And they go through all this, they sing songs about it. And it's it's kind of like saying, it, well, it's just nonsense. And so, you know, Zechariah had that word about going through to mark everybody. That was that was doing what was right and and who wasn't. That's very interesting. And Zephaniah, in Zephaniah 1:12 says, "It will come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees. Don't get settled on your lees. That they say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will He do evil. We hear that today." You know, there's no accountability. There's no, anybody can do whatever they want to do. And uh, there's no there's no law. It's the man of lawlessness, which you mentioned earlier, the wicked one. And, you know, that is an indication of this deeper spiritual thing that we don't need to take responsibility. But God is searching for people who are willing to say, here am I. I will do this. And it's so much is dependent upon that and um, the Lord will not do good neither will he do evil that's that's kind of interesting but God is searching for those who will say I will do what you you want and um, 
that's sonship, really. That's the essence of sonship. Yeah. You know, who's going to take responsibility here? And there's such a connection between, well, let's review, following the seasons, following the seasons of the Lord, whether you're willing to go out of the season or not, you know? And here in Texas, when it gets in the fall and the temperature suddenly stops being 100 degrees and it's now 78 degrees and 80, <laughs> you want that season to go on. But it doesn't. It kind of stops in the first ice storm. Boom. It happens overnight. And there's people that don't want, they become so seasonally unresponsive that they just want to keep things as they are. The Lord won't do good. He won't do evil. They, they're agnueo. They're, they're agnostic. Uh, they choose not to know what God is doing. And that's not sonship. And that will get you out of the olive tree business. And you won't have any oil of anointing. And the Lord, even though He loves you, won't be able to use you in the candlestick. You know, I think that this whole principle of seasons, just speaking personally from a testimony, and, and it's been highlighted to me just in this particular season that we have just walked through, which has been unlike any other season, if we can all agree yeah, on true. that. Yeah. But what the Lord just keeps reminding me of, and it says this, I think, in Ecclesiastes, that to everything there is a season. And it's really made me realize that throughout life and through my walk with God, everything has a season. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at it like that, if you're having a tough season, if you're struggling right now, whatever it may be, it is for a season. Right. You can do anything for a season. And, and you can endure anything for a season. Know that there's gonna be transition. There's, if you're in obedience to the Lord, if you keep your your candle lit and your lamps burning and stay before Him, He will transition you. He will promote you, and that that has really helped me so much. And I even like in ministering with the young people have ministered that recently on a number of occasions, saying, "Look, this is just for a season. This will pass, and and things will change, and and." And you'll break through from this, and you'll be in a, in a new season. But that really is something that is, is, has had some grace upon it, just the revelation of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. he provides for every season. He does. He really does. So if you're going through a hard time, just ask him to show you how he's providing for you, because he is. And yeah. what he wants to do through it mm -hmm. in you. He is so multifaceted. Yeah. He's blessing you. You just have to ask him to show you. But like you said, Pastor, I mean, we've got to be, we got to put our big boy pants on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we have to recognize the responsibility that we have individually before the Lord. Yes, as the body of Christ, but individually, we need to let the Lord bring to remembrance or light a fire in us to make us aware of the responsibility that we have as sons in the kingdom and to keep those lamps burning and to stay before the Lord and keep in relationship with Him. Because I'm telling you, one of the original passages that I was going to reference was out of Jude 124. And it talks about this oil. It talks No, it talks about the, the oil of joy. And it says to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Oh, yeah. 
That's that good. is a word for us. It is. Because even in the midst of all of it, he is purifying us and he is refining us as gold. And and we have to be in that process of sanctification on a continual basis. And how do you do that? You do that by staying in the presence of the Lord. Because I can guarantee you, when I see the Lord, I see my flaws. Yes. It's not a condemning thing. It is a revelatory thing. Right. Because when we see Him, we want to be like Him. And that, to me, has drawn me into holiness deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Because that is our heart, is to be like Him. Yes, I agree. And I want to walk in that candlelight. I don't want to be in the dark. Yeah. I mean, if he sends me to the dark with him to do something, that's fine. But the idea of him taking away his presence and I would be without his candle, oh. that would just be death. That that would be the worst thing I could ever think of. So yeah. I don't want to end on a sad note. I just <laughs> Oil of joy. Oil of joy. Oil of gladness. Oil of gladness, yes. <laughs> Leaping for joy. But we are. We're set apart with him. So we're in we're in that good spot. Amen. Well that's uh that's a terrific prospect and as we draw this time to a close, let's uh let's tie it together. Um we uh, we are moving with our Heavenly Father. We have an assignment that is not just our little world, it's us in the midst of what he's wanting to do. We are called to be sons who serve him and his purpose. And we, whatever way we convey his oil through our brokenness, uh, or whatever way we, we manifest that oil, it's all about submitting and submitting to him and to his ways moving in his seasons being willing to recognize them and accept them and using that empowerment of promotion and transition to seal off and say goodbye to the things that are now not what God is wanting us to, to dwell in we move forward the morning we say goodbye to it it's kind of like that passage that speaks about the garments are rolled in blood and every garment of the warrior and, and you extend that out and you find that those things are burned as, a, as an offering to God and you accept new clothing, you accept the new mantle. And, um, but it's, it's all through the anointing of this oil. And maybe next time we can talk about some of the ways that this lifestyle manifests itself through the miraculous. Yeah. yeah. But you can't, with saying that though, you can't separate those two. Mm -hmm. The oil is not, you know, you don't have 20 different kinds of oil, you know? You don't have the oil of the miracles where you're laying hands on people or restoring people. You, you, that's not a different kind of oil than this. And I would say that for you to really be able to move in the miraculous, it starts in the things we've just talked about. Mm -hmm. Because again, the things we've talked about are responsibility. And God does not yield his power to those that are unwilling to submit and to be what he wants them to represent that power to do. So all the things we've talked about thus far, 
set the stage for what most people think about when they talk about the oil. Put some oil on me, I want a miracle. You can't be a conveyor of the miracle unless you're in God's season and in His timing. Jesus didn't just go about healing everybody. You know, in some instances He did. But how many times do you think He passed by that guy sitting at the gate beautiful? The guy had been there for 38 years. And uh, Peter and John saw him on their way to prayer. Why didn't Jesus go over and heal him? How many people were sitting in the, the five porches of, of, of the pool of Bethesda? Jesus had to go through a whole bunch of people to reach that one man who was crippled laying on that pallet. So in order to move in the anointing of the oil, you've got to be willing to be a, a submitted son you got to move in the seasons of the Lord Almighty, the Heavenly Father, and you've got to be willing to be pressed in order to do what God is demanding at the time. It's not up to you. It's up to Him. And so everything we've said thus far, I'm thankful for it in the Word, but it sets the stage for the miraculous, but the miraculous in God's placement and in God's timing through his sons. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we sure want to thank you for joining us again. And uh, we've already announced that we'll be revisiting this topic next time. And um, we encourage you to study and to submit yourself before the Lord because he loves you and he's called you to be sons and He's called you to serve Him in the heavens and on earth. But um, we speak blessing over you. We thank you for being willing to join us today. And until next time, keep moving in the anointing of the Lord. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. And God bless, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>